Steve, happy Monday. How are you, man? I am fantastic. <laughs> Counting like least definitely nine or 10 days until I'm out there solo sheep hunting in the middle of the Frank Church wilderness. And yeah, I'm, I'm basically worth, worthless here at work. I can attest to that. <laughs> <laughs> I literally uh, uh, can't stop thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> Have you done, because you've done fly-in hunts, you know, Alaska, we've flown in for the Frank, but I don't think you've done anything fly-in solo, right? So there's going to be this moment where you're dropped off in the middle of the Frank church by yourself and the plane goes away and you're on your own, which, you know, as we've talked about, you've solo hunted plenty, but I think that's going to be like a cool moment, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, what's so cool about the Frank is it's as close to Alaska as you can get. Right. I mean, there's, you truly have to plan and prepare like you're in Alaska with that, you know, the, the only help is pressing the inreach button. Right. Um, when you're out there, there's no like, Oh, I'm just going to hike down the hill three miles back to my truck. That doesn't exist. Yeah. You got the, this past weekend, you guys kind of did some scouting, kind of just checking different areas that you've been e-scouting, wanted to see it from the air. So what was that like to just kind of fly over it and see things? And I know you're dealing with smoke, right? Yeah, it was, it was, there's, yeah, there's fires all around up there, unfortunately. So it's going to affect the hunting and the glassing. Um, there's, there's one pretty stinking close to, to where I'll be at. Um, but yeah, it was really, really cool. Got a good friend um, that's a pilot and has flown in the Frank Church a lot. So we went in there and just flew around and just really wanted to get a good aerial view. It's one thing to look at it on Onyx and Google Earth, but to kind of see it in person and get an idea of the scale. It's, that's one thing about the Frank is it's um, like I, I was looking at this plan of my route in there. Um, and then just it's kind of like, you know, basically it's 20 miles to my first camping spot. And uh and there's like this one hill. I'm like, oh, that'd be a piece of cake. I'll just run up that hill and whatever. And then I actually drew a, a Google Earth line on it. And it was like a 1800 foot climb on it. And then the average slope was like 43 degrees. So I was like, oh, Jeez. yeah, that's it just doesn't look big in comparison to all the country around it. Right. But I was like, that's that's pretty steep. And then I went and compared it to like other areas that I've hunted in, in Idaho, you know, like what's similar hillsides that I know are really steep and suck to climb. And that one yeah. was like worse than all of them, you know? Um, so, uh, yeah, it's just big, big country. And, um, yeah, I just can't wait to get in there though. And just start sweating and putting time behind the glass and, and hopefully pick up some sheep. So my, my yeah. first trip is I'm basically kind of treated like a, like a, kind of like a run and gun death hike, man. Like, I got, I'm going to camp in a different spot every night and just cover, um, in seven days, I should cover somewhere around 40 to 45 miles. Um, basically get in there about 20 to the first glassing spot and then, um, and then spend another 20, 25 miles just bouncing around and I'm, I'm going to fly on the first trip. Um, the, I wanted to hike in, but the, there's a fire up there right now. And so it's kind of keeping me from doing that. And, um, uh, yeah, I'll just the last 20, 25 miles. I'm just going to every night be camping, you know, just kind of cover five miles of country throughout the day. And, and then hopefully that way I can at least, if nothing else, spot a sheep, you know, somewhere else, uh, if I don't kill one and then give me a reason to, or a location to get to on the second trip where I was like, okay, there's saw this nice ram here, you know, maybe it was four miles away, but I'm going to go get to this glassing point and spend, you know, three days sitting on it till that ram shows himself again. Mm. 
when obviously you know glass is so important for sheep hunts uh but it's so much easier to spread that out when you're hunting with people or you have yeah. a guide or even a buddy right you can spare the or share the burden of of good glass with you being solo covering a lot of miles what are you thinking for glassing setup of- <laughs> i don't know yet yeah, <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> I mean, that's yeah tough, man. yeah probably the the uh koa 77 millimeter i mean i think okay. for the w- weight and the quality of glass it's because that koa 77 it's 58 ounces it's basically the same as like uh the swaro their atx 65 uh, but definitely you know that 77 millimeter objective and gives in more light and it has as good or if not better resolution so probably leaning towards that but it's still that's a big heavy scope man that, that scope alone weighs as much as my pack empty so uh it's a tough um tough pill to swallow but it's i made the mistake last year when i went up to alaska of taking that 55 you know you just started counting ounces and and um you know it's just so tempting to go with that lighter scope but in practice it's just not enough scope to when you see see an animal you know we we're always looking for doll sheep up there but um, whatever it is um you know in practice it's like when you see something that's three to five miles away and it's hazy and you know just bad atmospheric conditions uh, you just can't quite make it out and, and those bigger scopes the bigger objectives um in my experience seem to cut through that better for some reason and um and i think they potentially save you some miles right like with that bigger 77 it might be like yeah that that sheep's a little too small or oh no he's definitely worth going versus the 55 it's like yeah i don't know i better get closer and um i think that extra two to three pounds could definitely save you some miles um and or help kill a sheep right <laughs> if you if you decide mm-hmm. to like oh yeah that's worth going after where you for whatever reason decided not to if you had that smaller scope so it's a tough pill to swallow though i mean when you're throwing that's going to be the by far the heaviest item in the pack more than a tent more than the pack itself i mean it's it's up there so um yeah. but uh yeah that and then i've um i've got some eight by 42 uh the el range ta's Soro um for my binos and rangefinder and been that been very impressed with that system just you know great glass push the button bam <laughs> it's counting your environmentals your uh, temperature elevation uh, pressure and uh man dial and shoot so i'm feeling feeling really confident i've been shooting a bunch getting ready getting up and like what we've talked about i've done it multiple times now get up in the mountains and shooting at angles and basically zero in at the range and and haven't shot back there since it's it's a uh, get up there and get used to shooting and and the you know uphill downhill side hill stuff yeah that's awesome is there anything anything else you're debating between options like going in your pack or what boots you're bringing or still making last minute decisions? <laughs> boots are still a decision i've been hiking uh there's a um i've i built up a kind of a pack and i got 60 pounds of weight in it i figure that's probably the max i will have when i'm there's going to be times i'm going to pack you know eight to ten liters of water um just depending on what the water sources look like and I'm going to be camped up high on a ridge and be up there for a couple of days without, you know, pretty much there's, there's water back there, but you 90% of the time we're gonna to have to drop 2000 feet to go get it. Um, so yeah, 60 pounds, I think it's going to be the max of where I'll be at, you know, with on the, on day one with seven days of food and all my gear, weapon, water. Yeah. Um, 
and so yeah the um i've been i found there's this one canyon in the boise foothills it's like it's like a little mini glimpse of the frank church it's really <laughs> steep and rocky and i've just been getting in there and literally like uh treating it like a half pipe man and go up one side straight up and come straight back down and go up the other side and um I've just been like side hilling in there climbing dropping uh just getting you know it's it's rough on the feet especially with that 60 pound pack that uh, mm-hmm. um so i've been playing with um different socks all those different insoles we've had sent to us typically every hike i'll run one insole on the left side and a different one on the right side um and it's a it is amazing how much an insole plays into the comfort of a boot um yeah. like i don't like we'll get into after season we'll probably do more of that you know talk about the review and the different insoles that we're running, but it's like, um, you don't notice it when you're just for the most part hiking on flat trail. But when I get off trail like that, um, and it, it just, it's amazing. Like some, some feel good, some lock in the heel, but whatever fabric they're using, the ball of my foot gets really hot versus the other side. I mean, it's like, mm-hmm. there's these huge differences. And then they kind of change throughout the hike. Like it, the, you know, the first two miles, I'm like, Oh yeah, the, the one of my right shoe is awesome. And then by the end of it, I'm like, no, nah, the one of the left shoe feels pretty good now. So <laughs> uh, it's kind of yeah, zeroed in. And I've definitely like, there's one insole, like this is a really nice insole, but in, in these boots, it sucks. But in these boots, it's great. Um, so it's like, I don't, my personal opinion at the moment is like, you just got to have a kind of a little mini arsenal of, I'd say like three or four different ones. And whenever you get new boots, you just got to do what I'm doing right now, where I run two, you know, one on each side and, and find out which one fits best for your foot and more specifically for that boot. Cause it yep. just, they're all different. So, yeah, that's you know. what I've been doing. All of my training hikes this summer have been almost every one running an insole on the right and a different one on the left. And what I try and do is basically I'll get my gear ready the night before have my boots ready and like swap insoles around. And I've even been swapping in some different boots. And so basically I'm trying to go into every hike with, I have no idea what insole I'm running on the right or the left. So I don't have like these preconceived notions. Right. Mm-hmm. And then after the hike, I'll just look and be like, Oh, that's what that was on the left or the right. And uh, it's been pretty eye opening for sure. So yeah, cool. we'll yeah. definitely be talking more about that. Um, other than that. Yeah. I think, uh, everything else is pretty dialed in the, I'm, I'm really tempted to go bivy sack and tarp, but I've also after flying it. And then now that I've got my route for that first hunt more finalized, I'm going to have at least two, if not three nights where I'm camping on like a very exposed Ridge, um, you know, kind of a knife Ridge where it's like five, six feet wide and just straight down either side. Um, and I, think like just having a, a more like i'll probably take that tarp tent i think um just so i can you know things are going to buck the wind and if the wind switches in the middle of the night that's the downside of the tarp setup right mm-hmm. um so i think i'm going to go with that the tarp tent eon lee and um and rock that on the first trip and see how it goes cool excited to hear more about it man yeah i yeah. just can't wait <laughs> All right. So listener questions for this episode, we had, we've been getting a lot of questions uh, about packs in terms of necessarily like which packs right for me, which that's always ongoing. We always love having those conversations, but been hearing from a lot of pack owners and podcast listeners heading into the season that are obviously getting ready for their hunts. And so we won't necessarily hit every question being a pack question in this episode, but we'll see how long we can get through some of these important ones 
so that it's all timely and, and you guys have the best information available. And we're going to try and keep these somewhat uh, agnostic if you're not using EXO to give you some help as well, no matter what pack you're using. Uh, for example, this first question, this guy writes in and says, I'm curious if you have any shoulder sparing techniques for mounting a heaven, a heavy pack when there are no tailgates, rocks, or other elevated platforms available. When I bring the weighted pack up on an elevated thigh and then try to swing it around, my shoulder's not happy. And I can't imagine the shoulder straps are that happy with that motion and weight either. Um, so again, he gave some specifics, but I just want to hit from a super high level, Steve, you get a pack loaded up heavy, uh, and a lot of guys have been training, but as this guy said, maybe they're getting on from their tailgate or something like that. So when you're in Mm -hmm. the field, now you got 80 pounds of meat on there, different types of scenario situations, just general, like we can walk through some scenarios, but advice for getting in that pack, getting it on you and secure and actually start hiking. What does that look like? Yeah. I mean, I'm, uh, if I'm solo, if you got a buddy there, they can, you know, jump up, like grab the pack behind you and you can kind of just lift it up when you get up and it's, it's way less critical. Um, but yeah, if I'm solo, I like anything, I'd say anything below 90 pounds, you can pretty much just sit your butt on the ground and just get up pretty, not, you know, easily, but not, it's not gonna be that hard, but when, yeah, when you get real heavy, you know, you got that hundred, 120 pound pack, um, you know, I'm looking for any type of yeah, anything you can get elevated, whether it's a log, a rock, um, even just a slope, right? Like just the, you know, if you can get into a hill and get your, get the pack laid into the hill on the high side, and then you sit on the low side and then just sit down, get into it, um, get the harness on, get the belt on. And then you need to cinch everything, you know, don't worry about like, proper fitting at this point, just cinch everything as tight as you can. And then, um, the best thing I found it, you just want to roll over and then get on all fours. Right. Um, so hands and knees on the ground and then just kind of work yourself to standing up. Uh, that's definitely the best method that I've found for, for getting into it. And usually, you know, typically there's the steeper, the hill, like, you know, if it's really steep, you can just stand right up. Um, but if it's pretty flat, then you kind of got to use that roll technique and, and that works pretty well. So, yeah, yeah that's, that's what I'd say. I mean, this guy kind of mentioned, uh, which is pretty common getting it up on the thigh or the leg and then kind of yeah. swinging into it, which works with moderate weight, but when you get truly heavy, that's going to be pretty tough to do. Yeah. Um, what's really dangerous there and to be aware of is this guy mentioned like his shoulders not happy. Yes, you can throw something out, hurt yourself there. But what, what I'd really want guys to be aware of when they're trying to make that type of motion with a heavy pack is swinging into it. And you go to swing it around and it's easy to overshoot that. And now the momentum of the pack is really taking you for a ride. Um, and again, if you're on a steep slope or something like that, and you're maybe not thinking through the consequences, you go to swing that pack around on your back and it's just going to keep wanting to move. And now yep. it's throwing you around. So I've definitely seen guys struggle with that where, yeah, they get the pack up, they get on the leg, but when it comes time to swing in it, the pack's actually kind of taking them for a ride. So yeah, if you, if you can use anything to your advantage, like you said, Steve, the slope, anything like that, uh, getting straight up is often possible. If you can pull on something or that all force technique, um, you know, I'd consider that as well. Yeah. The whole getting it on the leg and swinging into it's more for probably 60 or under kind of depending yeah. on what you're comfortable with. And look, um, before you load your pack, 
look around? Is there a good big old downfall log or rock that's 50 yards away from you? Like I've definitely done that before. I got, you know, I'm solo and like, I, I got this deer. I'm going to try to one trip out of here. Uh, like, oh, there's a great spot to get loaded up. And so I'll take my pack and take the quarters over there, you know, one at a time and then load up everything there instead of loading up right where you're standing. And then you're, you've got nothing. You're like now all of a sudden trying to drag this 120 pound pack, you know, 50 yards away to find a better spot to get into it. So um, mm-hmm. predetermine where you want to put that sucker on. Yeah. Um, keeping the theme going, uh, guys are getting ready to load up and take off on hunts. Had a question on how to load and organize a pack. Um, so this guy wrote in, I, I thought you'd get a kick out of this, Steve. He started his email by saying, love the podcast. And I enjoyed the way Mark's brain works. I found his thought process in laying out the podcast to flow well and make sense for an easy listen. Um, cause you give me trouble about the way I think sometimes, but I thought you'd like that. Um, <laughs> He says, I was wondering if there was much thought needed in loading my pack. Besides the obvious things, um, I use a lot being on top so they're accessible. Do we truly need to strategically space heavy items in a certain way? Should I roll close to make them tighter in a bundle, etc.? This September will be my first true backpack hunt, and I wanted to think through as many situations as possible so I wouldn't have to adjust my pack in the field. Um, so I guess see from a high level, you take one guy with all of his gear for let's call it a five-day hunt is he really going to notice a difference in fit feel performance and how he loads that gear you know yeah a i mean versus b yeah like a good yes um what you know it, it actually is surprising like what how much weight distribution you know can affect it and not obviously when you're talking about 30 pounds it's it can be the difference between like kind of feeling it or like, Oh, this feels like nothing on my back. Um, and you know, a good way to do this would be like, take, um, take a 30 pound dumbbell and just drop it in the bottom of your pack and go hike like a mile. Um, and and it's it's just going to sit in the very bottom and sit down there. Now take like, take a light blanket, put it inside the pack. Um, so you've kind of got this padding and put that 30 pound dumbbell, like right in the middle of the blanket in the middle of the pack, that's going to feel way different than just that dumbbell hanging out the very bottom of it. Um, and so you want to take that approach to loading the pack, um, of really, I want the the heaviest items in the middle of my back, you know, basically middle and middle, like middle of my back up and down middle of the pack left and right. Um, and then, and then surround it with all the lighter items. So, um, for me, uh, sleeping bag goes in the bottom, my pad goes in the bottom, um, usually like my bivy sack and tarp, I'll stuff down there too. They're all, they're all super light objects that kind of take up space and fill up the bottom of the pack for me. And then, um, there's also a strategy to, you know, assuming you're, I'm breaking down camp every single morning, all the stuff that I don't need to get to until dark that night, when I'm going to reset up camp is kind of buried in the pack. Right. And then anything as I'm loading the pack up, anything that I'm going to need throughout the day is going to be either exterior. So in the side pockets or the lower side pockets or in the lid or or a front stretch panel, or it's going to be right inside the zipper of the pack. So if I do like jet boil is a good example that sits right inside the zipper. Um, so if, you know, middle of the day, I want to make some coffee, it's not buried in the bottom of the pack and I got to start yard sale and stuff out of there. Um, but yeah, so sleeping bag pad, my tarp and bivy sack in the bottom, usually my tent will go, 
Um, if I'm not, if I'm using a tent, not my tarp and bivy, I'll put that kind of like, um, I guess in reference to, a. this doesn't apply to a 4,800, but I'm always using a 3,200. The side zipper runs on one side. I, I put that on the opposite side of that inside the pack. Um, so it sits above my sleeping bag and pad on the opposite side of the zipper. Again, I just don't need to get to it uh, during the day. And then from there, you know, you just start like all that's left is, is just boil food and extra clothes that's going to be inside the main bag and then exterior pockets uh i'll you know keep it like if it's um cold um i guess if it's really cold in the morning you're probably putting your gloves on but you know gloves would be like in the lid um water filter toilet paper would be inside pockets spine scope tripod side pockets usually like a, a puffy jacket would be in the front stretch pocket or I would put that uh, in the very top of the main bag, um, right under the roll top collar. So that way it's you know fairly easy to get to during the hunt. Um, and then, yeah, headlamp and knife and all those things. You know, sometimes uh, headlamp's usually going to be in a, a side pocket for me. Um, and then lid is going to be uh, the food for that day, right? Uh, and then the rest of the food will be inside the main bag buried in there. So I think kind of take that strategy in mind. And then it's just super important. Um, just going to make life a lot easier if you're just somewhat diligent about loading the pack the same every time. Like your, your headlamp is always here. Your toilet paper is always here. Um, and it just makes life easier. You know what I mean? When it inevitably you're gonna be like chasing elk and all of a sudden it's dark and like, Oh man, we're like, I took my headlamp off this morning. I, I just threw it in the pack and you're, you're just rumbling through everything. And, and so instead of when you take that headlamp off, you throw it in the side pocket or you throw it in the lid or whatever, just, just be a little bit aware of that. And it just makes life easier, you know, or the worst case scenario is you got to poop real bad. And it's like, <laughs> where's the toilet paper? You freaking, you know, I've just seen it so many times. Of seen guys have done just, it. Yeah. Yeah. Seen it and done it. Um, <laughs> you're just like rummaging through your pack, looking for something that you need and, uh, you know, just be aware of it and, take your time. It's, it takes extra seconds to do this stuff versus, you know, when you are looking for it, but you don't know where it is. It's five minutes of yard sale and everything out of the pack. And then you got to reload it and you just don't have to mess with that crap. So, yeah. Um, well, so yeah, as you're loading your pack, just think like another example would be like, ah, there's rain clouds. I better not have my, my rain jacket uh, buried in the pack. It's not raining now, but I may need to get to this scene later. So for me, that, that'd probably be throwing the stretch pocket on the outside of the pack, right? It's like, that. Mm -hmm. bam, pull that thing out the second it starts raining. Perfect. Um, again, different guy, but we're just getting so many questions as guys are gearing up. This gentleman wrote in and he says he's loading up his EXO for a DIY pack and trip for 12 days, which is a long go. So kudos to this guy. Yeah. He says his loaded pack weighs 60 pounds and he was asking for our opinion on if this was reasonable or does it seem too heavy? Um, you know, I want to talk about this guy, but I also want to highlight the point in this question. What does loaded pack mean to this guy in this situation? And what does it mean to you? And what does it mean when, you know, you guys as listeners are seeing pack weights listed online because the, what someone means by a loaded pack doesn't necessarily mean what someone else means. And so case in point, I asked this guy, he says loaded pack, 60 pounds, 12 days. And so I asked, does that include your weapon and water? Or is that only your food gear and clothing? He was able to clarify. He says that is everything except my bow pistol and water. 
And so in my mind, you take 60 pounds. This guy's starting a 12-day hunt. Let's say the beginning of his 12 days, the start of his hike, he's going to throw his bow on his pack. He's going to have his pistol and he's going to have at least two, probably three liters of water somewhere in there. That's a, that's an additional easy 12, probably 15 pounds. So his true weight taken off at the trailhead is probably going to be 75 pounds. Um, so again, just want to highlight what, what does loaded pack mean when you talk loaded weight? And we talked about this more, Steve, in um, a recent podcast when we talked about our A to Z gear list and kind of revisited that from the original one we shared six years ago. Um, and you can see that broken down. We shared uh, a gear list spreadsheet um, that had my gear in it, but you can get your own copy and add your own gear. And you'll see how we talk about base weight, which does not include food, water, fuel, or weapon. Because base weight is where you're really going to see kind of your gear and what your pack weight is. And then that base weight is going to change based on the length of your trip. So this guy at 12 days, you could take his base weight if he was doing a four-day trip, and it's probably not going to change much if he's doing a 12-day trip. What changes is things like food and fuel. And so that's why it's important to kind of look at those things and I think make those distinctions. So I would say it's really, I would shoot for your base pack weight to be 20 to 25 pounds. You can go lighter. You're much lighter, Steve. I'm lighter than 20, but I would say, you know, it's pretty easy to get between 20 and 25. If you're packing over 25 and your base weight, that's when I'd have a lot of questions for you. Yeah. Um, One thing I'd add there is that's, that's, that's warm weather, right? Correct. Um, Yeah. Yeah. If if this is, we're talking September, early October, and if you're talking late October, November, you know, you're, you're probably, about two to five pounds heavier than that. Yeah. 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 My head's automatically September. That's where we always go. Right. Cause yeah. that's, that's 90% of the hunting, but they're, you know, definitely yeah. if you're going late season, there's more involved. Yep. So yeah, I would, you know, 20, 25 pounds base weight should be pretty much doable for pretty much everyone, even on a budget. And then on top of that, you look at food being somewhere for probably most guys, a pound and a half to two pounds on the high end. Um, you look at water being, you know, roughly two pounds per liter um, and things like that. So long story short, if we break down this guy's gear, I think 60 pounds is probably fairly heavy um, because he's truly 75 pounds with all the extras. If he had a base weight of 25 pounds, um, and then food for 12 days at two pounds a day, which is pretty high. Mm-hmm. That puts him at 50. Um, and so he's 50 pounds with relatively conservative base weight, definitely conservative on food and still hasn't added water and things like that. So I think he should be able to get closer to 50 base weight and 60 is probably a little high. One thing to keep in mind what happens is, and this is, I'm making assumptions here, but probably this guy's scenario, if he's truly going out for 12 days, when you think of length of a trip, there's more packing your fears there. That concept we talk about, because mm-hmm. you're not like, ah, oh, I'm only out there three days. Like if I get wet or whatever, if I get cold, whatever, that's totally different than thinking I'm in the wilderness for 12 days. So I better have this. I better have that. I better 
et cetera. So yeah. it's yeah. just prone. Like we talk about all the time, your base weight shouldn't change too much based on the length of your trip. But in all reality, for a lot of guys, it does change a lot because that length of trip sounds really intimidating. So yeah, um, yeah, I think you'd probably get under 60 pretty easy. Uh, I'll chat with him more, but just, you know, some thoughts on how to think through some of those things. Any thoughts, Steve? Um, no, you know what? When I, uh, I keep meaning to load up my pack for my seven days, you know, chasing sheep and see what it's going to weigh. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I think, I think I'd be, you know, again, um, yeah. Base pack weight's going to be that. Yeah. 20, 22 to 24 pounds, depending on optics, right. If I'm packing a big, heavy scope and then, uh, and then yeah, food, food, I should be like 35 pounds without water and weapon be mm. my guess uh, but we'll see yeah i need to need to get all loaded up and check it out so yeah yeah we'll leave a link to that um gearless spreadsheet in the show description for this if you guys haven't seen that one thing that's nice in there is you can basically turn items on and off and that automatically will calculate um essentially your pack weight so you can get in there and change like okay this is september uh, versus October and in October, I'm going to be carrying more and you turn those things on, or this is an elk hunt where it's primarily timber. I'm not going to have a bunch of glassing equipment, but if it's a mule deer hunt, okay, let me add a tripod. Let me add a spotter. And so you can keep kind of like this master gear list, um, with all of your items and then turn them on and off per trip. And that's going to show you in real time, kind of how that pack weight changes. So you guys want to check that out. It's exomountgear.com forward slash gear list. Or once again, um, there'll be a link in the show description. So, uh, cool. Yeah. That's a wrap for today. A bunch of pack questions. We'll get back to, uh, other topics and hopefully hearing more from you guys and hunts. We're already seeing field photos come in from, uh, customers up, you know, in Alaska hunting sheep and caribou and even some early deer down in the lower 48. So, we're beyond excited to not only get in the field ourselves, but to hear from you guys. So if you have any um, photos to share or a question from a hunt that you're going on, or maybe a scenario you're wondering about, uh, if we're not the right guys to answer that question, it would be fun to kind of get on and talk with some other folks who maybe are more experienced in that certain area. Uh, if it's something specific, but always feel free to reach out. So email is podcast at exomongear.com. Uh, and once again, if you guys are enjoying the show, we appreciate you tuning in and you can hit that subscribe or follow button to receive future episodes automatically. We'll talk to you soon.